There we go. My pocket did it that time. It actually took control of the mic. Hey, everyone, welcome. Some, uh, good morning. Happy uh, Sunday to you all. Um, this is our last time here, and I uh, want to just begin by acknowledging two things. One, um, we're all here, which is awesome. And if, you are, uh, if you're a parent of a little one and you're nervous right now, don't, don't be nervous. We're, we're here together. This is what spiritual family looks like. All ages, all stages, people from all backgrounds uh, choosing to, to do the awkward life together. And so this is a beautiful thing. I love this so much, um, <laughs> truly. Uh, and the second thing, I just want to say uh, what a true gift it's been to be here with you this weekend. I um, was a little nervous because I haven't been on a retreat in a while, uh, Trinity, since I guess pre-pandemic, and I was like, what's it going to be like? Will I know anyone? And I just felt so loved and received, and so thank you for, and all of you were like, can I talk about your transition with you? I'm like, yes. So thank you. Uh, it's been truly, really special. It's just a blessing to be here. So um, we're going to talk this morning, this final morning, about uh, the hard part of relationships, and that's kind of a weird thing to do in this context, but we're going to go for it. Um, because it, whether you are very little or you are very old, we all understand that relationships are hard, they're complicated, and they require sometimes, um, they require cleaning up, they require making up with people. So when we talk about uh, reconciliation, we say we want to be a people who are committed to making space for meaningful, we talked about that a bunch, and reconciled, which we're going to talk about this morning, relationships. We are acknowledging just out of the gate that no matter how old or young or you are, you're going to have relationships in your life that are going to break. You're going to have things in your life that feel really special and safe right now that are going to fall apart. And in fact, it's, it's just, I think, safe to say that every single person in here right now is, is very close with a person who is likely going to break your heart one day. And that's just something I've learned painfully again and again over 42 years. And there is very likely somebody in your life who loves and trusts you a lot, and you're going to break their heart one day. And that's because relationships are complicated this side of heaven. We carry with it a lot of wounding. We bring our family of origin into it. We bring all of our baggage and background into it. And we end up bumping up against one another and saying things that we can't unsay. And today we're going to talk about how do we, as Christians, live into this idea that reconciliation is what God's doing in the world and if it's what he's doing in the world, then it's what we're supposed to also be doing in the world. Just as we talked about relationships that build people up versus tear people down. We're supposed to be people who are making peace rather than people who are sowing division. Um, so I have four headings. We're going to go through them one at a time. And I'm going to make sure to talk to the kids in here too so you guys don't feel excluded, although they're very focused right now. So the first, relation, uh, the first uh, is this. Relationships get damaged. They get damaged. We all know this. Um, okay, kids. I'm going to talk to you for a second. So um, how many of you have had somebody that you love hurt your feelings? Have you ever had like a... Yeah, all of you, right? Um, do, you have, do you have any brothers or sisters? Anyone who has a brother or a sister? Has your brother or your sister ever hurt your feelings? Yes. Yeah, they're like, yeah. They, they have master's degrees in it, right? My sister Your sister, yeah. This is going to be the rest of the sermon. She pulls your hair because she's a baby? Oh my gosh. Now, let me ask you something. Does your mom, your dad, did they ever hurt your feelings? Yes. Oh, yes. No. No. We got a witness in the house. Yeah. 
So sometimes, you know, when we get our feelings hurt, you know what it's like? It, it, like it hurts for a minute. You know, someone calls us a name, um, and it hurts a little bit. It kind of hurts like when you fall off your bike. You know when you fall off your bike? It's not like the end of the world, but you get some scrapes on you. By falling off a bike? Okay, we're going to talk about broken bones in a second. But a lot of times when we fall off a bike, all that happens is we get scraped up, right? We, we find where are we bleeding. And a lot of relational hurt is that way. It hurts for a little bit, but a Band-Aid and a Popsicle, and we start to feel a lot better about it. And that's whether you're young. You know your parents have that happen too. Sometimes your parents, they have a friend and it hurts their feelings, and it's like them falling off their bike and getting scraped up. They don't have bikes in real life, but it's like, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. So... A lot of relational hurt is like that, right? A lot of relational hurt is that feeling of like, oh, that stings, but you know, you give it a little, you give it the afternoon, you go get a, a, a coffee, it's going to be okay, we'll be able to work it out, go to bed, wake up the next day, let's talk about it, let's revisit it, that was, that was painful, okay? That's what a lot of it is. But sometimes, like, just like your friend, sometimes uh, it's not like falling off a bike and scraping my elbow, it's like breaking a bone, right? Have, have any of y'all ever broken bones? Anyone ever... No, no. You broken a bone? What bone did you break? Your clavicle. Wow. I'm so, I didn't know that word when I was your age. A clavicle. So when you break a bone, you know I've never broken a bone. Isn't that crazy? I have such big bones. You would think I'd just be banging into stuff all the time and snapping them, but I have. You sprained your pinky finger? I have. All, I have sprained things before. Really. Fascinating. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times when bones break, um, they require more than a band-aid, right? Sometimes relationships hurt us in ways that require to be, maybe they have to be reset, maybe they have to be casted, kind of held in place, maybe they just need a lot of time. And some of us are probably in the middle of that right now, healing from that kind of thing, where there's been a break and it, we're wondering, uh, will I ever be able to use my arm the same way again, metaphorically? You know, will I ever throw a baseball again? Sometimes it's years, right? But, wow. I mean, I guess if you throw it hard enough, you could. Um, that's, a, that's a great thought. So a lot, a lot of times what happens is when we are hurt, um, the world tells us, or common sense, or I don't know, Oprah tells us that the thing we do is we move on from it. We can't let um, other people steal our peace, right? We need to let, our, we need to fight for our joy. We need to stay safe. And if we're in a situation that feels hurtful or harmful, or if there's been someone who's been uh, toxic to us, the thing that we have to do, this is the wisdom of the world, is distance ourselves from it entirely, you know, because we don't want to get uh, re-traumatized. We don't want to get triggered. Now, um, would, you, uh, would you like to watch a six-foot-six guy walk a tightrope for the next 30 seconds? Who wouldn't? I'm not actually going to do it. It's a metaphor again. So here's, here, here, here's what I want to say to you. Sometimes, listen, uh, growing up, sometimes there are truly toxic, abusive, dangerous situations in which we really, doesn't matter how many times we get up, we dust ourselves off. We go back into the fray. It's not going to matter. We're going to keep getting beat down again and again and again. It is, a, it is a powerless and hopeless situation. And I would, as a pastor, never encourage a person to remain in a space like that. But sometimes, this is the tightrope part, sometimes we're just in situations that are hard, that are run-of-the-mill human suffering, 
but we call them traumatic and abusive because those words have lost the meaning that they once had in our day. Because what we do is we actually, anytime something is uncomfortable or anytime someone feels like they might be infringing upon my personal sets of beliefs or convictions, we decide that this is a traumatic, a harmful space, a toxic space, and we cut ourselves off from it. And sometimes that's true. And if you're like, I, how do you know if it's true? I think it's a case-by-case thing. I don't think there's any help, anything helpful about generalities when we talk about these things. I think this is why we have pastors and why we have community. This is why you need to set up a pastoral meeting with Adrian or with Jason or with Brad or with Nate or with Addie when she's back from maternity. You need to find someone that you can sit down and you can say, can you help me hash this out? I don't know how to think about this, how to process this. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficult relationships and what God calls us to in this space is not to simply create distance, to block a person, you know, so to speak, and to move on, but to actually fight for peace the way that God chooses to fight for peace uh, with us. This is this first idea. Sometimes relationships, they get damaged. All of us are going to experience it. Probably many of us are experiencing it in this life right now. But what we have as, a, as Christians, what our job is, is to reflect what God is like on the earth, right? We talked about that. And if I'm reflecting what God is like on the earth, then part of that is going to mean moving in the direction of sometimes difficult and even potentially harmful spaces in order to make peace with one another. Um, Now, I want to be really clear about one thing before we go forward. When we talk about reconciliation, I'm not talking about restoration. Restoration is a really great thing, but a lot of restoration is going to happen when we feast in the halls of Zion. There are people in my life who I've had breaks from. We've made peace. We've reconciled. If I see them in a Trader Joe's, I won't hide, you know, on another aisle sort of thing. You know what I mean? Does anyone else do that? Hide? Um, but I'm also probably not going camping with them, all right? And, and, but I tell you what, every time I sing We Will Feast in the Halls of Zion, I picture myself at a table with them. And how great it's going to be one day to actually be smiling at one another, to love one another, to be at peace finally, fully with one another, with Christ holding us all together. There, there is a restoration that is eventual, and it's not always experienced now. Sometimes it is. It's a miracle. When it, but we're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about figuring out how to make peace with a person with whom we've had a break. I'm going to read a passage from the Bible, and it's kind of a long text, but I'm reading it from the message, so hopefully it's a little bit easier for all of us to understand. This is from 2 Corinthians 5, and St. Paul uh, writes these words. He goes, Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. And that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people uh, ever could live on their own. And because of this decision, we don't, this is it, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and we see that in everyone united with the Messiah, with Jesus, they get a fresh start. It's created. The fresh start is created. The old life is gone. A new life emerges. Look at it. All of this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with one another. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ now. Become friends with God. He's already 
a friend with you. I love that text so much. Um, so relationships get damaged. How do we choose to make peace when we have the chance? Second idea, uh, reconciliation or making things right requires seeing people with new eyes. Okay, so I'm going to talk to the kids again. All right, you guys ready? Yes. All right, okay. So um, the Bible tells us that when someone hurts our feelings, hey, how's it going? The Bible tells us, come on in. When someone hurts our feelings, that what we have to do is we have to choose to see them with a different set of eyes. Does that sound weird to see someone with a different set of eyes? Like, how would you do that? You, no. you know, you don't change eyes, right? It, this, is, this is what it's like. Okay, so have you ever um, told a lie because you were afraid of being caught? Yes. It's okay. I'm, your parents can't see you. You're invisible up here. Don't worry. Um, have you ever snuck something that you weren't supposed to have because you were afraid if you asked, your parents would say no? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, have you ever said something hurtful to another person because uh, you were upset about something else and then they did something and you just said something mean to them? Has that ever happened? Yes. Yeah, totally. It happens all the time to me. Okay, so here's, here's what I want you to think about. When you do those things, what's the truest thing about you? Or is the truest thing about you that you are a bad person who does bad things? No. No, it's not, right? It's actually that you, you're a good person, and, but you, you did do a bad thing. You made a mistake. And you would probably want, if you, like really, if you said something really mean to your mom, we never, we, does anyone ever say mean things to their mom? Anyone? I did. When I was a kid, I said mean things to my mom. I would hope that my mom in that moment would realize, even though I said a mean thing, it's not, how I really, it's not the truest thing about what I think about her. I really love my mom. Oh, thank you for that. That puffy thing, that's great. Um, I want her to think that the truest thing about me is actually that I, I am, I'm a good person who loves her and makes mistakes. It's kind of like that, okay? It's kind of like that. Or if you're a teenager in here um, and you find out that someone that you trust has been talking to your friends about you behind your back, like what do you want to do initially? You probably want to go on full blast, right? You want to find an opportunity to let everyone know about that thing that she confided in you about and said, don't tell anyone because it's going to expose me or it's going to make me look bad and so on and so forth. And you really want to share it. <clears throat> and it would feel so good to do that. Um, but in that moment, what the Bible tells us what we have to do is we have to choose to see that person who just hurt us, who betrayed our trust, who told us a lie, to choose to see them as though they are a person, first and foremost, before everything else, they're a person who deserves to be loved. And it's kind of like that. What, what Paul tells us, whether you're a grown-up, whether you're a little kid, and it's harder when we're little kids. I think it's older for us grown-ups sometimes. The, the pain might feel greater, but I think it's easier for us to understand what this is like. To see the other person not as what they just did, but as who they ultimately are. To choose to believe and to agree with God about that person. That what God is doing in that person is making them into something radiant. And we are actually just witnesses of the process. We are participants in the long story of God making all things new, including this person who just hurt me. Now you might say, but what if the person isn't a Christian? And I would just say, then you still see them the way God sees them. And how is that? As a person, he is patiently and gently pursuing and wooing into his kingdom. So whether a person is in Christ or not in Christ... Still, the opportunity is always when we get hurt, and this is hard, okay? This sounds like easy. It's not easy to choose to see the person through the eyes of God, which believes what? The best about the person, not the worst. That chooses to see the good new heart in the person, not the old broken ways. 
that chooses to not let the thing that they just did that wounded us define them forever. And we go back in time and we begin to do revisionism. Sometimes when we get hurt really bad, we go back and we do revisionism of a whole history of the relationship. Oh, I should have seen it. It was there and there. Oh, you've always been like this. And we end up deconstructing the entire thing, the whole history, because we're trying to make sense of it and we're, we're in pain. And what if instead of that moment, we did revisionism of the, of the wound itself and we said, in light of all these things and in light of what I know about what God is doing in this person's life, I'm choosing to see them as a new creation. But I think there's something else. It requires not just vision to other people. I think also it requires a new set of vision towards myself. Because a lot of times when we're critical towards other people, they are reflections of how we view ourselves. Most of us find it hard to be patient with other people because we are impatient with ourselves. We struggle to be gentle towards our own weaknesses. And therefore, when, if we're willing to take a pound of flesh from ourselves when we do something wrong, we are able to do it towards other people. The same thing that's true about your neighbor that just hurts you, that God is patiently, gently moving towards them and transforming them, is true about you. On your worst day, you are still Christ in me, the hope of glory. On the worst day that you ever live, on the worst thing you'll ever do, the worst thing you'll ever say, the truest thing about you is still that God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So the second thing is we have to see with new eyes. The third thing is this, peace is expensive. Peace is expensive. All right, kids, I'm coming down again. You ready? All right, so here's, here's the hardest part. So someone hurts our feelings. What, when someone hurts you, what do you want to do? You, you want to hurt him back. Yeah, it's okay. That's true. That's what we want to do. You know what that's called? It's called re revenge. You ever heard of the word revenge? Yeah. yeah. You know, all of us are born wanting to do revenge. And when I get my feelings hurt, when I, was, when I was little like you, and now that I'm big, when I get my feelings hurt, you know what I want to do? Get revenge. I want to get revenge. I do. Because revenge feels so good, right, in the moment, but then it doesn't afterwards. Have you ever got, have, has anyone ever hurt you and then like you, you hit them back? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So a lot of times when that happens, it feels good for a minute, but then right after it doesn't feel good anymore. Because actually when we're getting revenge, all we're doing is making the thing worse. We're not making it better. We're not doing what God does towards us. We're doing what, we're doing what enemies do towards other people. Because exactly, the person will tell on you and you won't get your treat. Exactly, you make it worse. And that is, that is, that is profound. That is, that's what it's like, okay? That's what it's like. I, um, so when I, like 10 years ago, um, I had my best friend break my heart. He hurt me so bad. And I bet if you talked to him, he would say that I hurt him really bad. And I did something really foolish. You know what I did? I said, let's get together and try to talk this out. Because we've always been able to talk stuff out. But you know, I wasn't ready to talk it out yet with him. I was still so angry and I wanted him to hurt. I wanted him to feel as terrible as I felt. And so I can still tell you the table at the Starbucks in Roswell at the corner of Holcombridge and Mansell where I said things I can't unsay. You know, you know how that works, right? Um, because I wasn't ready yet, my revenge instinct was too great. You see, peace comes at a great cost because what peace requires is forgiveness. It's the decision that even though you hurt me, I'm not going to make you pay for it. Even though you did something mean to me, I'm not going to punch you back. And everything inside of us wants to do that, right? Everything inside of us wants to. When we feel hurt, we either want to we we fight back or we want to run away. But we don't want to stand still and move towards the person in love. 
and in forgiveness. Forgiveness is expensive. Now, how do you forgive a person that's hard to forgive? Well, Jesus helps us out with these words. Uh, He says, uh, if you're praying and you have something against someone, forgive them. Thanks, Jesus. I mean, that's, that's an incredibly hard thing. You're like, no, you don't understand, Jesus. You don't know what they did. You don't understand the thing that happened to me. Um, he does. But he still is saying something, I think, really profound here. And that is that forgiveness is, before it is a feeling, it's a choice. Before you ever are going to feel like forgiving a person, you have to decide you're going to forgive them. Tim Keller uh, writes about forgiveness as being uh, uh, f- uh, four promises. Three promises to not do something and one promise to do something. And these are the four promises. And whether you are little or big, these promises can make sense to you. When someone hurts my feelings, I'm going to choose to forgive them, which is going to mean one. I'm going to choose not to beat them up to their face. I'm going to choose not to take a pound of flesh from them. I'm going to choose not to yell at them to make them feel terrible. I'm going to not beat them up to their face. Number two, I'm going to choose not to beat them up to other people. I'm going to choose not to look for opportunities to slide into conversations about what this person did. Oh, well, you know, one time back, I'm going to choose not to do that. And when I see a doorway open where, oh, it feels so good to walk through that door. It feels so good to go in there and tell them, you know what this person's really like. I'm going to choose not to do that. And then the third thing, maybe the hardest, I'm going to choose not to beat this person up in my mind, in my heart. I'm not going to lay in bed at night and run over in my memory again and again the things that the person did and the things that I wish I'd said in the moment and the things that I'd like to say if I had the chance again. I'm not going to sit there and nurse my wounds and tell me that I am a horrible victim and this person's a terrible monster. I'm not going to beat them up in my mind. I'm going to release them. I'm going to let them be a person that's in process. I'm going to choose to believe about them what God believes about them which that they are a person of worth infinite love and even the life of his son. And that that is true about them more than whatever they did that hurt me. And then the fourth thing, I'm going to choose to, I'm going to promise to pray for them. And not pray for them that God would smite them, not that they would fail miserably and lose their job and be destitute and lose everyone who's ever loved them. Um, Not imprecatory psalm prayers. I'm going to choose to pray for their blessing. I'm going to choose to pray that they would succeed. I'm going to choose to pray for their health, that they would do well. In other words, I'm going to pray for them things that in my heart I don't think they deserve. That's what forgiveness is. And it is so hard because you don't feel it. You just choose to do it. And then you choose to do it again. And then the next day. And then the next day. It happens again, minute by minute. And sometimes you fall off. You're like, I can't do it right now. Sometimes you're like, ah, I'm just so angry. And then you, 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 you admit that to God, and then you jump back on. And you're like, I want to believe the best. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to release. I'm choosing to pray for this person. This is what God calls us to in reconciliation. And we say, that sounds really hard. You have no idea what happened to me. You're right. You're right. Um, but what's the other option? We all know what the other option is, right? It's to let the thing rot in us. That's the other option. You see people who are decades down the road who've never really dealt with a hurt. And what are they like? They're hard. They're not where we want to end up. None of us want to end up at the end of our life bitter. The way that we move in the direction of gentleness, peacemaking, kindness, is by releasing people who've hurt us. By forgiving them. Um, It's easy, I know... I'm speaking in the abstract. 
There are people in here who have been hurt by people in ways that I truly don't know and can't imagine. All of it in a room this big, the, the amount of relational wounding represented in here is massive. It could fill volumes and volumes. We say to God, you don't understand what you're asking me to do when you say, forgive this person. You don't know what's happened. And God looks at you and me with love in his eyes, infinite, endless, bottomless love in his eyes, and he says, I do understand. And if you don't think I understand, look at my son on the cross. And it's not, a, it's not an ace of spades that God's throwing on your high card. It's not his way of diminishing or, 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 or minimizing what you've gone through. It's his way of saying, no, I do understand, and standing in solidarity with and in the middle of your suffering. God on the cross is his great declaration to us that he does understand what we've gone through. He does understand rejection and, and sin and suffering. He does understand these things. He understands how they eat at us and tear us apart. He does understand. And rather than stand on the sidelines as all the other gods, he chooses to enter into the middle of the suffering with us, to suffer alongside us, to suffer for us, to suffer at our hands, and to suffer at the hands of people who have harmed us as well. And he does all of it because he loves all of them. That God chooses in love to enter and then calls us to do the same thing. And so I just want to say the last thing, fourth idea, just briefly in closing. There is power available. We don't have to do this in our own power. Jesus says in Matthew 18, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. We say that a lot in the church. If you grew up in the church, you probably pray that a lot. Lord, we're here in a cafeteria, but there's three of us here, so we know you're here. You know, we just, we use that verse to mean basically God's always around groups of two and three. Um, it's actually a verse that is spoken directly in relationship to relational context, a rela relational breaking. It, it is a word that Jesus gives to people who are dealing with reconciliation issues in the church. He says, when you're dealing with a break in your life, when you're dealing with fractured relationships, and you're like, how am I going to do this? Jesus says, as two or three of you are gathered together, I am with you in it. In other words, Jesus offers to you and me, friends, a power to do the thing that we can't do in our own strength. Some of you understand rightly that the power to truly be reconciled with a person is a thing that I cannot, in my, I cannot choose to forgive day after day after day in my own strength. I will fail at that. But with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of Jesus, this is why it's so important that we remain connected to one another and remain connected to the Spirit. I can find the way day after day, moment by moment, to lean into the crucified body of Jesus and remember that he did this for me and he did this for them and he is calling me to do this for them too. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know love, that God laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Just immediate. It's like you look, at the, you look at Christ on the cross and immediately the New Testament says, and that's what your life should look like. I'm like, that sounds hard. It is hard. If anyone would come after me and be my disciple, Jesus says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. None of us can do this in our own strength, but all of us with the Holy Spirit can do it and can even do it with joy because there is nothing more joyful than the heart of God and there is nothing more true than that God is a sacrificing God. He is a God who chooses out of sacrificial love to move towards us at his great expense and at great harm so that he can make peace with one of us. And in fighting for healing and wholeness, for peace and reconciliation, Jesus says to you and to me, I will be with you in your midst. And seeing him who held not our sins against us, but choose instead to lay down his own life so that our sins could not be held against us. It helps us to move towards one another as makers of peace.
No one understands the cost of reconciliation more than the one about whom it was written. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed by our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. If you're able, let's stand. We're going to go right from this into communion, which feels completely appropriate, because as we, in communion, what we're doing is we're reenacting two things. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to reenact our need to be reconciled to God and to one another. That's in the confession of sin and in the passing of the peace, which we'll do in a moment. And then on the other side of that, we're going to, uh, as it were, we're going to... um, we're, we're going to do the thing that enables us to have peace with God, which is to actually bring the, the life, the blood of Jesus into our own bodies, to choose to make it the thing that, um, that defines us. And so I want to take a minute, and we've talked about a lot of things this weekend. Probably God has uh, hopefully touched one area or another. Let's just stand quietly. I, maybe put your hands open. Just a posture of openness. Just be present to the Lord And before we confess our sins corporately, let's take a minute individually in silence and confess them to the Lord. All right, let's pray together. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. That we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May the Almighty God have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through Jesus Christ. May he strengthen you in goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, may he keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. We have an immense privilege in this moment. We get to be representatives of God to one another. Jesus said, after he rose from the dead, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's a great mystery what all he means by that. But what we get to practice with one another now is to extend that peace to one another, to essentially to loose one another, to say you're free, you're forgiven. Now you can go and offer freedom and forgiveness to those around you. And so I say to you, because of the great love that God has loved us with, we have peace with God. And so I say to you, may the peace of our Lord be with you. We're going to take a little bit of time on this. Turn to one another, find some people, exchange the peace with them, and then we'll go forward with communion. If you're serving communion at this time, please come forward after you've made peace with some folks. Peace to you. Peace to you, brother. We're going to do communion in a second. Yep, we're going to do that. We're going to do the crackers and the the juice. You did? Well, we're going to do it all together now. That's so fun. Is it cold in here? Are you cold? It feels cold up here. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I love the rainbows all over it. What are you keeping in there? 
like crayons and stuff? Oh, cool. Okay. Children are everywhere. They, I know it's the greatest thing. I really think this is what most of Jesus' meetings were like. <laughs> All right. So. Obviously, normally when we're at church together and we do this, we have things like rows and aisles and things like that that make it a little bit cleaner, but um, you guys are, you're veterans. We're going to be able to figure this out. If, you're, if you are new to Trinity um, and you're not quite sure how communion works here, this table is open to everyone who's a Christian. You don't have to be Anglican. You don't have to be a member here. If you are a person who is leaning into Jesus um, for your identity, if you're leaning into him to make sense of your life, to save you, to forgive you, this is your table, and I invite you uh, in a minute to come forward, and you'll come up to one of these stations, and uh, we will take uh, the wafer, we'll dip it in the wine, and we'll lay it in your palm, and that is communion uh, for us here at Trinity. If you have a gluten, can kids do it? Yes, uh, that is a decision for your parents, but if uh, the teaching of the church is... Uh, <laughs> I think, I think if you want to do communion, you should, you should go with your mom and dad, and, and they, will help you, they'll help, they will help you in this moment. Um, am I going to do it? Am I, oh, yeah, I better believe it. Yeah, it's the best, it's the best part. Um, it's why we're here. If you have a gluten allergy, I will be serving gluten-free communion on the far side, my left, your right, you know, over there. Um, I'll be over there. If you would prefer to abstain from wine for any reason, you can take just the bread and it's considered full communion by the church, if that matters to you. So um, this is a table that is meant to be hospitable, in other words. We want, we want everyone to be able to come forward and, and to receive. If you're here and you're not a Christian, first of all, thank you so much for being here. What an incredible thing to come and spend three days in the mountains with a church. Um, we, we, I'm so glad you're here. If you would come forward and you feel like, I don't want to take communion right now for whatever reason, just come to the front and put a hand on your heart, just across your chest like that, and our servers will know to speak a word of, of blessing over you. Um, uh, this is what the Bible says about communion. On the night when Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord took bread. And after giving thanks for it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so when we take the bread, dip it in the cup, and we, we eat communion, we are declaring the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Well, let's pray together. Um, Almighty God, we thank you for this memorial, this reminder, God, that you are reconciling the world to yourself, holding not our sins against us, but in choo instead choosing to take them into your own body so that we might be at peace with God. Lord, thank you that as we um, eat and drink in a moment, we are literally eating and drinking the instruments of our own reconciliation with you and the instruments of our own ability to make peace with the world. Um, God, we remember that you have laid down your life for us and call us to do the same. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, in this moment, take these simple things, bread and wine, and make them to be for us true spiritual food and drink, the body and blood of Christ.
We ask, Lord, that you would, as we eat and drink, you would change us. You would make us into the sorts of people that represent you on the earth. That we would be makers of peace. We'd be repairers of the breach. Restorers of those things that have been torn down. God, we ask all of these things in your good name. Trusting that you are working in each one of us. And that through this great mystery, you are even right now making us new creations. All this we ask by Jesus, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, both now and forever, Almighty Father. Amen. Before we come together, let's pray uh, the Lord's Prayer. And remember, especially Jesus calls us in this, to ask the Father, forgive us our trespasses, what? As we have forgiven those who trespassed against us. And so maybe even in that moment, you just want to hold on to a person's face in front of you, someone who you have to pray this about again and again. God knows, God knows, you know, but let's come to the Father and trust that he is forgiving us as we forgive one another. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Come forward and receive the gifts of God for the people of God. Amen.